0: If you can dream it, we can help you create it. Welcome to the You Create Podcast, the show that teaches you how to take the power and flexibility of a Stepcraft 3D CNC system and turn your ideas into reality. So let your ideas flow because we want to know what will you create? Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number eight of the You Create Podcast. My name is Eric Royer, and I'll be your host. Uh, Thank you for joining us this week. I'm sorry it's been a couple of weeks since I've recorded last. We've uh, just been crazy busy here and uh, just haven't had uh, time to sit down and Some thoughts together. So, I wanted to do this uh, today. It's the day before Thanksgiving. Uh, That way, I can get it live, and any of you who have time to listen to it over the weekend will be able to do so. So, anyway, a couple things that uh, came up over the last couple of weeks that I wanted to discuss uh, that I think uh, will maybe answer some questions for some people. Uh, First thing I want to talk about is aluminum. Now, everybody Asked the question, you know, can you effectively cut aluminum with a CNC router system? And the answer is undoubtedly yes. Yes, you can. There's no no reason why you can't. But there are some things that you need to consider when you're milling aluminum. Uh, The first thing is that unlike a CNC mill, like a Tormach or uh, a Haas or something like that, where the... The head does not move. The head stays fixed, and it's usually part of a very large, heavy cast iron fixture. Uh, and the rigidity of that, coupled with a very, very powerful motor, allows you to spin a larger diameter bit at a slower rate of speed and take out more material per pass uh, than you would on a router. Now, a CNC router, um, like the Stepcraft machine, is. A gantry device, so the head is actually what's moving, and because of that, there are some limitations that you have with a router over a mill, uh, and that you don't have the same solid rigidity that you would with uh, with a dedicated purpose-built mill. That being said, the main thing that you have to keep in mind is that you can take less material off per pass, and in most cases, you can probably move the the feed rate a little bit faster than, than you typically would because you are taking a little bit of material off. Uh, the other thing to keep in mind is that the spindle on a on a purpose built mill like a Tormach for example is going to re- designed to run at very low RPMs. So you know you might be running uh, three to five six thousand RPMs, and the tooling that you use is optimized for that purpose. Now on a router. The it's the opposite. The router spindles are usually designed to run at very high RPMs, you know, 12 to 20,000 in that range, sometimes even more. And because of that, you you have to look at your tool that you're using. Uh, most people would think they can use high speed steel because they think it's high speed, and that's really you know what what they would be using it for. But the the case is is that high speed steel. End mills are better suited for uh, a lower rpm mill that has flood coolant and it they're just not designed to cut as effectively and last as long as a carbide end mill so on a router you're you're always going to want to try to run a carbide end mill when you're cutting aluminum now some people ask me. Uh, do you need, uh, or do you have, or do you need a flood coolant system? Well, most routers are really not designed to be able to use a flood coolant uh, because they're they're open framed. Uh, the electronics in some cases are underneath. It's just not a sealed system uh, like a mill that it, that has that type of a a cooling system. So, as a result, no, you you don't need that. There are people that use. Uh, lubrication misters that you can find online. And from what I'm told, those help with certain types of aluminum. Uh, One thing that we do here, and it's actually a new product that we're going to be releasing, it's uh, we use air, compressed air. And we have a flexible, actually, it's a a flood coolant uh, hose that's uh, articulated so you can move it and position it in any any direction they're they're made for flood cooling systems but we use one of those and connect it to an air compressor and just blow uh, we we're not using a lot of cfm it's very you know low pressure but it's enough to keep the bit cool and to evacuate any chips that are being cut the the biggest problem that you'll have a cnc router when you're doing aluminum is recutting chips. You want to make sure that you avoid having chips collect near the tool bit or in its path. And that's really important when you're doing a profile cut where you're basically cutting around the material to remove your part. You'll, You'll end up with a channel that's eventually as deep as the thickness of the aluminum. And if chips start to build in that channel, you run the risk of... Uh, either breaking your end mill or having it chatter and ruining the finish of your part, or you run the risk of, depending on the RPM and the feed and speed, you, you run the risk of welding the chips to the tip of the aluminum and therefore rendering it useless. So it's very, very important that you use compressed air and keep it pointed at the tool bit so that when you cut chips, they are immediately blown out of the way. Now, some people say, well, I have a vacuum system uh, hooked up. Won't that work? Um, we have a vacuum system as well for our Stepcraft machine, and it has a uh, round brush that's magnetically attached to the end of it. And I've tried that before, and it just doesn't do the same job as uh, as a compressed air so when I run aluminum, I actually take the brush off. I don't use the uh, vacuum system. Or, or you could use it, but I don't keep the brush there. I, I, I use it so that if there's any chips flying, the vacuum will catch them. But because I'm blowing compressed air at the chips, they're basically being sprayed all over the place uh, in the vacuum. In a lot of cases, it's useless for that. But it's more important to make sure that your tool bit has a clear path with no chips than it is to have a nice clean work area when you're cutting aluminum, so now the other thing is speeds and feeds that's a huge mystery for a lot of people uh how how what's the depth per pass I could take? how many millimeters or or per second or per minute or inches per minute can I run. Uh, What RPM should I run at? What type of tool am I using? I'm not really going to get into all of that here on this episode. I will dive into it more in future episodes and give you specifics. But there are calculators out on the internet. Uh, CNC Cookbook has one, uh, cnccookbook.com, that you could actually uh, download. It's a service. You have to pay for it. But it's probably one of the best calculators um, in existence. And you just basically put the information in about your your uh, your bit, and you know various different data points. And it's going to tell you how fast to run it for a given RPM and how much depth per pass you could take. Now, I found when using one of these calculators that it's probably 90% accurate for the given machine. And you will get really good results if you follow what they're saying. Now, again, you got to keep in mind that we're running on higher RPMs. So you may put information in and it may say, okay, uh, I'm, you can run this job at 5,500 RPM, but if your spindle doesn't go that low, then you have to make sure that you readjust for that, and it, it'll give you different parameters to run as far as uh, speed or depth of pass, or maybe you know you change the the type of end mill you're using. Uh, for instance, if you're using a four flute end mill, you're you're most likely going to run. A lower RPM, but if you want to run at a higher RPM, you could switch to a two flute or even a single flute end mill, and you'll notice that the RPM setting that it calculates is actually going to increase probably within the range of what your router is capable of. Now, on our machines, we typically run, uh, if we're cutting 6061 aluminum, we'll use a two flute carbide end mill, say an eighth inch. Uh, We'll take about a half a millimeter per pass and run it about 30 millimeters per second, that's usually a good starting point for a Stepcraft machine. Now, the, the one thing that will affect the speeds and feeds, uh, even if you are using a calculator, is the rigidity of your machine. So if your gantry or, or your head and the Z-axis, if there's anything that's loose or, or not you know perfectly solid, uh, that vibration is going to resonate in your machine. And... It will actually uh, prevent you from running uh, your job at, at the given speeds and feeds. That's one. You run the risk of chatter, a lot of chatter, which will uh, eventually damage your machine. I mean, any excessive vibration on anything is is not good. Uh, and you you can run the ruin the bits as well as getting a very poor uh, surface finish on your your milling. So. Uh, you want to really make sure that your machine is, is rigid. The, the more solid that it is, the better chance you're going to have to get a good finish and the more accurate a speeds and feeds calculator will be for you. Now, the other thing that I get asked a lot is what about types of aluminum? Uh, and we just had a, a client that um, had a specific job that they wanted us to run. And they sent us some plates and it was fifty fifty two aluminum. And I've never used this material before. Uh, It looks just like, you know, any other kind of aluminum that we would use. And basically what they were doing is cutting out these electrical panel plates and they're looking to prototype them so that they can test them uh, before they go into a production run uh, for their machines. So that's something that our machine or, or, you know, any CNC router could be good for is for prototyping. I would never suggest uh, a a CNC router or unless it's a really big heavy duty industrial one uh, to be used for large production runs. It's just, it's not efficient and uh, you know, there are purpose built machines and job shops that could probably do it for a lot less money and headache overall. But uh, on, on our machine, it's great for prototyping and that's what we were going to do. So he sent me over an AutoCAD file and I imported it into Vectric Cut2D and I went to create the tool paths And it, it was a little complicated because there was a lot of pocketing. Uh, there was some uh, recessed areas where there would be labels uh, that were going down 12 thousandths or so. Uh, then there was a lot of holes in it. Some of the holes were uh, around an eighth of an inch diameter. Other holes were a little larger. So I had to keep that into consideration. Uh, and then they also had a countersink that they wanted to run, there was eight holes on the job that needed to be countersunk. So they sent me a a countersinking bit, and we created a toolpath just specifically for that. And that created some challenges too, because when you're using a countersink, typically you're going to run the countersink bit down further than the thickness of the material. Um, Because the countersink bit, this one was 82 degrees, uh, they wanted the final opening to be a certain diameter, and in order to get that, when you took the geometry of the bit in play, you would actually have to pass the bit uh, probably 60 thousandths uh, deeper than the bottom of the surface. So you have to make sure you have a spoil board, and uh, you know that's something you, know, you want to keep consideration if, if you have your aluminum plate on a aluminum vacuum table or on a Aluminum T slot table, and you're going to use a countersinking bit, uh, you know, be sure that you're using some sort of spoil board or you'll end up with holes and dents all over your aluminum base. Uh, so, anyway, I, I got the whole thing programmed and we set it up on the machine. I uh, did have compressed air. Uh, the plan was to use a, a two flute end mill, and I set it up as we would when any. 6061 job that we've done before and as soon as the bit made contact with the aluminum uh the tip welded like it was almost instant so i said okay well that's that's not good and i actually slowed the machine down a little bit and i put a new bit in and this time it started to cut a little bit but then the tip welded again and then it broke Uh, So after going through about three end mills, I did some more research on 5052 and I reached out to a group on Facebook called CNC Router Tips. Um, A new friend of mine, Bill Griggs, uh, is the creator of the CNC Router Tips podcast, which is another great podcast I encourage you to listen to, as well as he created an online group that you could go to. And the people in that community are amazing. And, you know, even though I do this professionally, and when we sell Stepcraft machines, we're always running across new things that I've never done before. So I'm not embarrassed or too proud to reach out for help whenever I have questions. So I put a post up and I explained what was happening. And immediately, um, guys started commenting. Letting me know that 5052 uh, is more common when they use use it for bending. It's a softer aluminum. Uh, it is kind of difficult to mill on a router. Uh, they suggested using uh, misc lubricant, which I didn't have. They also suggested using a single or an O flute end mill. Um, that that would help as well. Uh, so the the consensus though from everybody that was making comments was why run it in 5052? Why not just use 6061? And so while that made a, a lot of sense to me, I called the customer and I said, okay, look, I'm having a lot of problems running 5052 on this machine. I'm not sure that it's worth the headache. Why can't you run 6061? And their answer was simply because they've always used 5052. Uh, the 5052 aluminum is a little less expensive, then 6061, and that was another comment that they had made. But I said, you know, when you factor in the aggravation plus the potential loss of end mills, pretty soon uh, 5052 is going to cost you a heck of a lot more. Uh, so I went ahead and I, I ordered some 8-inch, uh, 12-by-12-inch uh, 12 12 6061 plates from onlinemetals.com, and uh, we put the same job in. Loaded up two flute end mill, um, and it ran perfectly. It was as if we were cutting wood. Um, it was uh, there was no no welding, no chattering. Uh, we had to make some fine tune adjustments to the speeds and feeds, but overall, uh, it worked perfectly. In a case like this, we actually created. I think this job had twelve tool paths. And it was, I had one for pocketing, hole drilling. Um, There were several different pockets. Each one was a little deeper. So I set those up as a different toolpath. Even though they're using the same tool, we did that so that when we tested out the first plate, we can run each toolpath file separately and see if we have to make any adjustments on speeds and feeds for that particular process. Uh, Then the other part of the job was we had to go back with a 16th inch end mill and go through all of the pockets again, uh, mainly to just kind of sharpen the corners because they want as square of an inside corner as they can get, which you can't get with a round bit anyway. But by doing a second pass with a sixteenth inch end mill, it allowed us to get into the corner and uh, you know get it a little bit tighter. So then we had one for the uh, countersink, and then we had a final tool path which would cut it out. Of the plate, and so anyway, my advice is if you have to do aluminum or you want to do aluminum parts, uh, you can certainly do it with a CNC router. There's no problem at all. I encourage you to get a speed and feed calculator, or join a group like CNC Router Tips or the StepCraft Crafters Club, and post what you're looking to do and and try to get a speed and feed. Starting point from some of the other members, you'll find a lot of them are going to be very helpful. The only issue that I see with asking members for uh, guidance on speeds and feeds, like in a group like the CNC Router Tips, is that they are not going to all be using the same machine as you are. And every machine, like I said, is built different, different spindle, different power, different rigidity. Uh, so something that may work for somebody on, say, an X card machine. Uh, will not work the same on a stepcraft or on a shapeoko or a probotics or something else. So uh, your best bet is to get a speed and feed calculator. And uh, then then what I do is uh, after I run a job, I, I usually keep a notepad and I'll say, okay, for this end mill running this type of aluminum, I was able to do uh, you know a, a depth of x, a, a feed rate of x, um, RPM of x, and uh, I used one thing too that I didn't talk about and I want to mention real quickly is uh, setting up a ramp for your job. You when you're, when you're milling aluminum, unlike wood, you don't want to just bring the bit straight down. It's not a drill bit. You don't want to bury it straight down to your first depth pass and then start cutting. Uh, Vectric software and most cam software will let you program in a ramp. And basically you could say, okay, I want a ramp from the surface of the material down to the first depth of pass uh, in a given distance. So, you know, you might set it to be a half an inch. So now when you're starting that job, it's going to uh, move laterally as it as the z-axis kind of brings a bit down into the material to your first depth of pass. That's it's, it's uh, a lot less strain on the end mill and you're going to get a lot better results. So definitely use uh, ramping when you're working with aluminum. So, uh let's see, speeds and feed calculator, uh carbide end mills, uh 2 flute end mill or single flute end mill for aluminum, I find works best. Make sure you have air, uh compressed air to evacuate the chips. And you know, don't expect uh the same results out of a CNC router as you would out of a out of a mill. Uh that's going to save you a lot of frustration and and disappointment. And most people that are doing work with aluminum on a router are doing one-off projects or they're doing prototyping and uh, time is you're not under the essence of, you know, having to get a massive production run in t- uh, done in time. So use your router to, to prototype. And if it is a project that you need to do a higher production run, then go to a specific job shop that uh, specializes in that for Uh, getting higher production runs done. So the next thing I want to talk about is (laughs) on StepCraft. One of the things that we've been working on is trying to come up with a description uh, of how to describe our machines. And Where this is important is, you know, it's fine. If I was talking to like-minded people or if I was in a group on Facebook and I refer to my router as a CNC router or CNC mill or, you know, anything to do with CNC, everybody's going to know what that means. But when you're talking to, you know, your aunt or your mother or uh, just somebody in the general public who has no idea what CNC is, you know, how do you describe your system? Uh, the other thing is, some people, when they hear CNC, especially if it's a, an older person that maybe has worked on them in the past, they think uh, numbered tape, they think, uh, you know, G code programming. Uh, C- so, CNC to some people is a pretty scary uh, description of your machine, and they, they think it's computerized, and how do I work on it? It's going to be a lot of trouble, and, you know, all those things. So, being that our machine works well, In a variety of different applications from, you know, industrial and commercial prototyping all the way down to just the home hobbyist or, uh, you know, somebody that's into crafts, you know, that sort of thing. I needed to come up with a description for the machine that was not so scary. And I put it out on our Facebook group just to see if I can get some suggestions from people. And the one that we ended up with, which is starting to grow on me, is calling it an all-in-one creation system. Now the all-in-one comes from the StepCraft having the universal head attachments, which makes it uh, nice because you can go from you know milling to three D printing to engraving to hot wire cutting, etc. Simply by changing out the head. So because we're one of the only systems on the market that has so many different attachments for it, the all-in-one part seemed to make a lot of sense. Uh, the creation system came just simply because that's what you're doing. You're using the machine to create things. So I'm, I mentioned it on this podcast because it's funny, and I'm really curious uh, to all of you out there how, to see how you describe your system to somebody that is not familiar with these machines. Uh, so, you know, what do you call it? How do you describe it? Uh, I'd really love to know that. And if you have a chance, please uh, drop me a comment on the... Uh, page at youcreatepodcast.com dot com forward slash zero zero eight, uh, or you can uh, send me an email. That would uh, that'd be great. I'm I'm just curious how everybody describes their their machine. Now, another thing I wanted to announce, actually the last thing on this podcast because we're slowly running out of time, is I want to talk about um, a new program that we put into place at StepCraft. Now. We had a very busy year this year since uh, Kickstarter. We've um, established a lot of new customers, probably better than 500 new customers that are happy owners of StepCraft Systems. And I want to keep the momentum going, and I want to uh, keep getting the word out to everybody about our machines. The problem I have is that you know we're we're only three people here in Connecticut at the uh, Stepcraft USA offices for now. And I tend to spend an awful lot of time with people on the phone. I want to be sure when somebody's interested in buying a Stepcraft system that I spend as much time as they need on the phone to answer all of their questions. And in most cases, those phone calls generate more content for me to talk about here on the podcast. So because of that, during the course of a You know, eight or 10 hour day, I may only have time to reach out to and talk to five or six people throughout that day. So I needed to come up with a plan to help spread the word and to help get more people, uh, you know, calling and interested in in Stepcraft. So what I did was I set up an affiliate program. And basically, all you have to do is go to stepcraft.us forward slash affiliate and you could sign up, it's free. Uh, You fill out a form, and basically what will happen is you'll receive a URL that's specific to you, and anytime you mention uh, StepCraft and you provide a link back to our website, just use the custom URL that you were given, and what will happen is... Say you put a post on Facebook and you say, hey, I just saw this really cool system from StepCraft. Click here and then you put the URL that that we assign you on the website there. When the person clicks that URL, a cookie is placed on their computer and that person is automatically assigned to you for a period of 45 days. So if they buy a machine within 45 days, then you are going to get 5% credit. Uh, for that. So at the end of the month, we, we will do payouts monthly. If somebody turns around and buys a machine that's $2,000, you're going to get $100 out of it. And that's real money. We'll, we will send you uh, PayPal or, or uh, a check at the end of the month for that. So it's a good way to earn some extra money without having to do anything, really. Uh, you don't need to sell. You don't need to uh, get online and um, you know, do any hard pitches, you certainly don't want to spam forums and things like that. But just as you mention uh, Stepcraft, and you use that URL, whether it's casually on Facebook or Twitter, or, uh, you know, I have some people that are actually looking at it as a part time business, and they have put together a blog and, uh, you know, using Twitter and Pinterest and all these different formats to uh, use that URL and try to get more people buying uh, StepCraft machines. And so far, we started it last week. We've had two successful affiliate um, sales, which was awesome. And I'm hoping that we will um, you know, get a lot more people involved. And again, it's free. Uh, all you have to do is use the URL, recommend that people purchase our system, and you will get uh, 5% of the sale just for helping me out and helping spread the word about StepCraft. So anyway, um, that's all I have for this week. Uh, well, actually, it's not true. I have a lot more, but I try to keep these podcasts around a half an hour. Uh, so I will record another one here in a few days and we'll release it early next week. But uh, to all of you listening, uh, either before Thanksgiving or on Thanksgiving, please have uh, have a terrific holiday. And again, I appreciate you uh, listening to the podcast and if you would be so kind as to go to itunes and rate our podcast i would really appreciate it i will put a link on the website uh, that'll take you right to that spot to rate it and if you have any comments or questions or anything you'd like me to cover please reach out to me go to the podcast and uh for the show notes at you dot slash zero zero eight and leave me a comment let me know what you'd like like to hear I really appreciate it. Okay, everybody. Have a great week. And...